Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off The Key Podcast, where we talk about music of all varieties. I'm your host, Mac, and today I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Garrett. Hello. And James. Hello there. And today, as the second edition of our Spooktober Spooky Month special, we will be talking about Juju by Susie and the Banshees. Now this was Garrett's pick, and Garrett, can you please explain why you think this album represents the essence of Halloween? It's really a two-fold answer. First off, it's the content. It's the themes. I mean, almost every song has some kind of horror. Almost every song has some kind of spooky, mystical, or macabre theme or influence or even just sound. But also... This album is a very big staple of what some people call the goth movement, gothic rock. It started with post-punk with a little bit of pop and new wave sprinkled in, bring out the big hair, black clothes, and lipstick, and just have a great time. Using the Banshees, they were pretty, out of their time, absurdly influential. I'd say one of the most important bands in the post-punk movements, especially in the U.K., Put them in the same categories like Joy Division, you know, The Cure, Bauhaus, yeah. Era. The big two for me are obviously The Banshees and Bauhaus. Um, there are some other bands that played around with it that either went more pop or more punk, like Sisters of Mercy sometimes went a little heavier, more industrial. And then you have like The Cure, you know, Joy Division, sometimes Depeche Mode. They just went like straight for like more new wave and pop. But I feel like those two bands really rode the line and really gave it a bounce. And you got to think that, Susie and the Banshees was doing just straight-up punk for their first record. Juju is actually probably their most pop. The two albums following this are way more pop than this album. I feel like this album has the perfect balance of their punk origin and their pop new wave sensibilities that they were trending toward. I actually went back and listened to their first three or four records before this one. It's the big transition I noticed with Susie and the Banshees is it sounds like they took the sound, like the guitar-driven, unorthodox guitar sound of the scream and mixed it with the more electronic pop-leaning sound of their two albums before Juju. So they had a little bit of change in personality. I believe they switched guitarists. John McKay left the band and was replaced by John McGeoch, if I pronounce that wrong. Or McGeoch or McGouch. Honestly, I prefer McGeoch over McKay. The experimentation, he can write riffs, he can do like the weird post-rock kind of noodling. He Use that one machine that I'll talk about a little later, the gizmo on Arabian Nights, you know, to give all kind of like weird like technique. It added needed layers to the music. Post-rock and like post-punk and stuff can be one of the more inaccessible sub-genres in comparison. And I, I feel like this is actually a really good entry point into post-punk. Yeah, no, I actually was going to say the exact same thing. Plus, I think it's a post-punk staple. I'm a big, big fan of like UK post-punk, UK post-rock new wave, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, this is one of the essentials. Now, as far as how much I love this album, yeah, we'll get into that. There's no doubt in my mind that Susie and the Banshees is a post-punk staple. I didn't know what side. I felt like The Cure was a whole lot more accessible. I mean, I know a lot of people that enjoy at least some songs by The Cure, and you hear them on the radio all the time. I've never really heard a Susie and the Banshees song on the radio. Fun fact about them, they actually didn't even get a hit in the U.S. until 91 with their ninth album. I think it was like Kiss Them For Me. That was the first bit of exposure they even got in the U.S. That was well into their career. 
But yeah, I definitely agree about the vibe and the theme of this album. It's very macabre. It's very eerie. I feel like I could hear this album as the soundtrack to like an old Scooby-Doo movie. One thing that really impresses me about this album in general is the guitar work. Mm -hmm. That's actually my favorite part of this album. And Spellbound, the opener, prime example of that. That is a classic song, and it is insane how much influence that song has had on the UK. Just the jangling guitars... The bass line, the drums are great. Her delivery is so unique. I feel like she's so unique with just not only her voice, but her stage presence. And like the way she just kind of like dance around the stage. It's almost like she is in a trance. It looks like she's looking out somewhere and there she's seeing ghosts. It looks like she's actually casting a spell. I really enjoy the visual aspect that they have. Her voice, her delivery style, the way she sings... She reminds me a lot of Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane. It's very, very eerily similar. Yeah, I, I will. I will. Yeah, I will say that the main difference is her use of a vibrato, which Grace used a lot of vibratos too. But Susie takes it to eleven. To Ten. Yeah. Yeah. And plus the screeching that she does, like the howls. Oh my god. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love it too. So that's, that's the other big difference. Yeah, but especially on like Voodoo Dolly and yes. Head Cut. Yeah, it, it makes those songs. Otherwise, she's very, very similar to Grace Slick. So if you've never heard Susie and the Banshees, but you love Grace Slick's singing style from Jefferson Airplane, you might enjoy this. Yeah, this is a well-put-together album. Unsettling, especially on Voodoo Dolly. That song just makes me uncomfortable. Wait, so you telling me you don't just always write songs about having a severed head and looking at headless torsos all the time you don't, you don't, <laughs> well, don't do that on the regular <laughs> well not not just the lyrical content it's the way it's arranged the, the execution of the music the building the way, tension yeah the way it's written and the way it's performed it's creaky vocals like it's some ghost up in a second floor hallway that you hear from across the house you know it's almost terrifying i got the same vibes and the thing that's interesting to me is they've actually disavowed the goth rock label for this album i'd say this is more post-punk than goth rock it's more of like a style associated with it after the fact than it is an actual definite musical genre i'd say like the music is post-punk definitely with a little pop new wave the content and like i guess the the subculture that it spawned and like around it posthumously made it that's into that so it's like yes and no. Now, as far as like the music goes, I thought this album was incredibly creative with its musical choices, especially the guitar work and the very distinct feeling you get. Sometimes that's hard to do. And I think the best songs at doing that are like Spellbound. I think Arabian Nights is a fantastic song. Can't get enough of that melody. Also in that song, the guitarist is actually using a gizmo, and you, you put it on the guitar bridge, and I believe it taps the strings in a certain way that it draws out the notes and it makes it sound like a kind of like distorted like string instrument almost, so that like real sustained notes in Arabian Night, that is actually what he's using. The, the gizmo, or as it was originally coined, uh, the gizmatron, invented in 1969, I could have swore that I heard about this device being used before. And sure enough, uh, Jimmy Page actually used it way back in the day on two songs for uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, In the Evening and Curse Alhambra. 
the Gizmotronic technology kind of evolved and stemmed from there into the modern day Ebo, which like people like Johnny Greenwood have used for like various songs and parts and like Radiohead's music. So that's a kind of neat little little guitar technique that he used there to add like layering to the music. And I like Into the Light. Arabian Nights is great. James and I were talking about this. I agree that this is one of the biggest problems with the album. I do not like the way the drums are recorded. The drums sound like shit. They're performed well. I like the performance of them, and a lot of the beats he uses and creates for a lot of these songs, it's very creative, and it adds so much to it, but they just sound terrible. Well, they said too echoey. If these drums had the 90s grunge sound, it would be perfect. This is also a common problem of a lot of post-punk that era, because I think in the Flatfields, drums sound like crap, too, and not as, honestly, maybe worse than this, a lot of post-punk at that time focused very heavily on drums and bass, even more so than this album. If the drums or bass were recorded bad on any way, it stands out like the sorest of sore thumbs. Yeah, it sounds like they were recorded in some shitty garage. Which they probably were. By like maybe one microphone or they, something. They sound far away and echoey on a lot of tracks. I I was not a fan of that. But I don't think it ruins the album, but it is a very noticeable problem. Now, where it works is on the more eerie tracks like Spellbound, you know, the real yeah. spooky ones, you know, Halloween, Night Shift. I actually think Night Shift is a very uncomfortable track. Perhaps that's what they were going for, and the drums sound that way on purpose. But I don't know. I've, yeah, swing and a miss. I feel like it could have been better had they been more of a boomier sound, a more thunderous, punchy sound. Yeah. I have a very love-hate relationship with Halloween. I hate the chorus. But it gets stuck in my head all the time. It's so corny. Oh, the trick or treat. Yeah. <laughs> the better and the sway. I'm just like, I hate it so much, but God, it gets in my head like a Food Lion pop track. <laughs> <laughs> and it stays in there. So it's like, I have a love hate relationship with that song. That's fair. That's fair. Now, this is actually, now, this is a bit of an aside, but this is actually a very fun fact. So Susie and the Banshees is actually signed by the same label as Fishman's in their later years, Polydor. Really? Yes, uh, Polydor picked up Fishman's after Orange, actually, and stayed with them for the rest of their careers. Is Polydor a UK-based yes, label? Yes, it is. Yes, mm. it is. Yeah, Polydor is, and they're kind of known for picking up obscure acts, so it makes sense, but I thought that was a really fun fact. Also, other aside, how would you rank this, Scream, and the one after this, Kiss in the something hotel? God, I cannot remember the name of that. I just saw Do you, you want to look it up? Kiss in the Dream House. I don't, I don't know why I say a Dream in the Kiss House. I think I prefer the Scream over this album, and then I would put Dream in the Kiss House third. Kiss in the Dream House. Kiss in the Dream House third. You got me doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that like the last three days where I'm just like switching words that sh- don't in, in titles. Yeah, I'm just like, wait a minute. What's going on here? What's your, going on here? Your dyslexia is coming forth. Oh, no. No. Anyway, uh, the the song Shift Night is a very good, this next is a very good track. You did it again! (laughs) No, I did that on purpose. Okay, I was going to (laughs) say. No, but Monitor is the next track. Great riff. I think this is the heaviest track on the album. One of the heaviest songs they've ever done. Voodoo Dolly is the most post-rock song I think they've ever done. Monitor might be one of the most heavy. I, I prefer the louder, more abrasive sound of this album over their more poppy yeah kind of new wavy sound albums yeah after a kiss in the dream house it gets a little too poppy for me 
I pretty much just kind of enjoy the early stuff. I mean, there are some good cuts here and there on some of their later stuff, but it just didn't have the punch, didn't have the creativity. It didn't, have, and you know me being a riff fan, it didn't have just the riffs that the earlier stuff did, like this and the scream. And I just kind of lost me. It's like when the Cure got really. I like when they were like straight creative and yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems with Susie and the Banshee and the quality of their albums over the years is they went through so many guitarists, they went through so many drummers, like over and over and over and over again. I mean, they were kind of a revolving door as far as everyone outside of the core members, which were Steven and Susie. It's really a shame because they had some good ones. Like this lineup, I feel like if they would have kept, they could have probably had a pretty solid run. It's just that you can change members and still be a very successful band, but when you have a revolving door like that, it usually does not end well. I will say that one of the worst tracks on this album, by far, least favorite on the album, is definitely Sin in My Heart. Biggie I found that track incredibly annoying. I did not like the vocals. I did not like the melody they chose. Unanimous decision here. What, what did you not like about it? Everything you just said, man. And plus the things with the drums that are brought up earlier. And honestly, I feel like the album would have been a little better without the, without the song on it. And this is a surprisingly short album, given how long some of the tracks are. I mean, it's only nine songs. Yeah, and I kind of wish they would have added the deep cut of Fireworks onto it, or even replaced Cinema Heart with it, because I don't know if you've listened to the Fireworks, the, the 12-inch Nigel Gray mix, but that's actually not bad. It's pretty good, especially for like a bonus cuts. If they would have added that out of their like B-side material, I feel like that would have been an overall positive. I don't feel the album's too short. I feel like if they made it more than a track or two longer, it would have really worn out its welcome. I will say another thing is this album is very coherent with its sound and yeah. style. And I think that's great. You know, the themes, it's basically a concept album. I mean, Severin himself even said that it unintentionally became a concept album. So he had this interview with uh, Mark Patris in 2003 where he said Juju was the first time we'd made a concept album that drew on darker elements. It wasn't pre-planned, but as we were writing, we saw a definite thread running through the songs, almost a narrative to the album as a whole. And I actually feel that here. Like, this is, like, it's very cohesive. You know, the themes are all pretty uniform, and I can appreciate that. You know, this is a well-constructed album. I think my favorite lyrics are probably on Head Cut, because it's just so directly scary and violent. We just talk about a severed head in here. You know, there's no metaphor behind it. There's no clever literary play. It's just kind of straightforward. And it's scary and spooky. It brings in the, the vibe of the classic Ori slasher flick. Yeah, and a lot of things about music that I tend to associate with being scary or horror-themed are a lot of bands and artists going above and beyond, like, for instance, Cannibal Corpse. Make it, like super gory and intense, like the more violent aspects of horror instead of like the psychological or like the musical aspects of horror, like building tension, you know, having echo and all these kinds of, you know, vocal shrieks, guitar, you know, playing around with the discordant strings. It's kind of refreshing to go to a funsy, somewhat corny, you could say, I and mean, then you'd be well within your rights, very Scooby-Doo-esque version of you know what we consider scary and dark and halloween-esque you know sometimes if i want spooky music i like it to be a little corny you know i don't want 
the womb was ripped open and the guts came out. You know, it's like, okay, let's... It's a little fun, a little, fun, little, little PG. It's refreshing Are you, are you telling me that you don't like infant annihilator? I mean, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the annihilation of infants is okay, but, you know, sometimes you just want to run through the forest spellbound. You know, you don't want to just annihilate infants quite yet. Yeah, there is certainly a uh, aspect of fantasy to this album. You know, despite the negative, the, the macabre, the, the eeriness, there is a, a lot of wonder in this album, a lot of magical, fantastical elements. Imagining when I'm listening to this album, especially, especially, especially Spellbound, Voodoo Dolly, Arabian Nights even, you know, there is some element of magic and mystery. Not only that, but just the whole, like, goth subculture that came from, like, the punk subculture Susie Sue is the figurehead for that, both in looks wise, in actions, and in her like overall songwriting. She is like the textbook grandmother of goth rock. Her influence cannot be understated. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we get into our ratings? No. Suppose I'll start. Juju by Susie and the Banshees. It really does make me feel as though I'm in the middle of a Brothers Grimm fairy tale, which is exactly dark fantasy. Think Hansel and Gretel being led through the woods to be eaten by an evil witch. The extraordinarily melancholy and eerie vibe of this album permeates your ears. If you're not uncomfortable or unsettled throughout this listen, there might be something wrong with you. The instrumentation and the musical performance throughout the album is excellent. Susie herself, I can understand why she was such a huge influence. I can hear some things that she picked up for her singing style. It has this almost psychedelic quality to it, but she takes that and combines it with an almost melancholy feel while adding a little more insanity, if you will. While there are some issues with the album that I have, like the drums, they just don't sound good. If they had more power to them, I think this album would have been even more powerful, more melancholy. It would have added to the extremes of emotions here. Otherwise, I think it's pretty good, especially as an introduction to post-punk or even goth rock. It's not really my cup of tea personally, but I can understand why someone would like this. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Okay, that's a dub. That's a dub. Now, Susie and the Banshees, their influence cannot be understated. I think they're a great band, very creative. I love the unorthodox style of both Susie, Severin. I uh, love the guitar playing of John McGeoch on this album. Budgie, too. I think this is a great project and definitely one of Susie and the Banshees' best, period. This is a post-punk classic, through and through, no questions asked, and I think this is definitely worth listening to if you're looking for some spooky Halloween vibes. Very mystical, very macabre, very eerie, and disgustingly melancholy. So, I think it's a great album. I think you should give it a listen. Is it the best Susie and the Banshees album? I don't think so, but it is a staple in the genre from a highly influential band and a great entry point to post-punk. So I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. 
piggybacking off of that, this is a great fusion, especially for me, from my punk fandom of the late 70s and then my new wave fandom of the 80s. It met in a way with this band that I didn't think it could, and I enjoyed it in a very unique frame of mind. And I found, and I hope that you guys will too, that it is very accessible if you're trying to get into post-rock. It is that door. Kind of like how I've said that standards was for me in math rock. This was for me in like post-punk and post-rock and that kind of distillation of punk and rock sounds with more pop sounds of the 80s, more synths and stuff, and with the darker themes and the writing. And of course, I can't spew and gush over Susie enough because her as a vocalist is just something that kind of goes beyond words. On the run-up, I really found it hard to take objective notes of kind of her vocal style because I just sit back and watch, and then when the song is over, I'm just, I found it very hard quantifying that. It is so macabre. However, with the drums and everything that's wrong with it, it's not a perfect album by any stretch of the imagination. I do have to be in a, a definite mood to listen to this. This isn't just a, oh, Friday, home from work, let me put on Juju. You know, this is kind of a specific frame of mind to be in. It's a very specific album, but what it does, it does really well. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. I actually didn't think I'd have the highest rating here. I neither. I thought honest. you were going to give it a 9. No, not that good. With that being said, guys, any final thoughts? Alrighty, well, this is Off the Key Podcast. This is Spooktober, and we're out of here. Thanks, guys. here and i just wanted to give a shout out to lacrembo for the intro and outro music also check out our link tree for where to follow us we are on instagram and facebook and a variety of streaming platforms and if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow it'd be greatly appreciated thanks guys see you later